0: feel that bass? that means it's time for dlc and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad that you've chosen to tune in hey are you one of our geeks and sneaks getting yourself through a workout or a run man i got some awesome tweets this week of people that use dlc to fuel you we're gonna be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes getting you through because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be completely free thanks to our sponsor squarespace squarespace they made that possible bring in the show to you dlc of course the show all about gaming in its many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash, nemesis. The guy who is sitting in my apartment right now, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, as always, was a, it was a close call today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, we had, uh, we had planned to do the show, uh, just the two of us. And then, of course, Time Warner cable did not cooperate. Christian's uh, internet went out this morning. And so he uh, got in his car and sped over to my house. And we're now sitting in two different rooms in my apartment.
1: The amount of work that goes into a free show that you guys yell at me for being too negative about. I work hard for you to be angry with me, community. And uh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, (laughs) this is going to be fun. Though We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah,
0: because, you know, DLC is always your downloadable Kanata. It is always your downloadable Christian. This week, DLC stands for doing it live and companionless because we don't have a a guest this week. We decided uh, to actually deep dive because this was GDC week. I was at GDC all week. I got lots to talk about. There's tons of news that I want to hear Christian's take on. We are going to hash out GDC. We're going to hash out a bunch of cool big news stories. And fair warning, there's going to be a lot of VR talk. Uh GDC was very very focused on uh on VR this year. They actually had VRDC and GDC happening at the same time. And all the energy, all the excitement was around VR. You know, if you listen to this show, that I'm very much excited about VR. So I spent most of my time this week learning more about it, trying out a bunch of stuff, a lot of big news coming out of GDC is focused around it. So, you know, I I put this out. Anybody that follows me on Twitter, hopefully all of you do. Um, And, and, you know, there's always the people who are like, oh, more VR talk. I don't get that. Um, Christian, do you think that that is because... the the price point is so high people feel like they're not going to be able to enjoy it so hearing about people talk about vr is not fun because they're not going to be able to participate in the party
1: i think that's part of it i think the other part of it is that they haven't participated in the party yet so it's like describing like how many times can you hear about what it's like to be in space and you're like oh that's really cool like i want to go to space but I'm never going to, you know what I mean? It's been this mythical thing that few people have had hands on and it wasn't a real consumer product. And I think that whatever it is next week, when people start getting their oculuses in their homes and the vibe comes out, then I think people will be more interested in it. But then the last third of the problem, I think, is that it's hard to show a commercial. So it's hard to talk about too. After people experience it, it'll be a little easier, but it's still this very, personal thing that is hard to show a youtube video of or even to talk about because you're like and then i was in there and i was and it sounds like everybody's high (laughs)
0: well but i think that's that to me that's more of an uh, a reason to do episodes of this show and others like it uh, about vr for me i I feel like i need to explain it i'm struggling to articulate exactly that kind of feeling. And I think the more, if I, you know, as a listener to other shows, and and as somebody who has, you know, was a listener before I became a podcaster, I feel like, you know, what I would want out of that kind of experience is try to convey to me what it's like, and let me understand why I should be excited about this, or if I should be excited about it.
1: No, totally. And I agree. I think that a large part of our audience does like it and enjoy it. And then the other part is like, ah, not, (laughs) not for me. And that's fine. You know, uh I'm not pre-ordering any of these bad boys, I don't think, but I'm super excited to hear and to, you know, hold your feet to the fire on some of these experiences because we're about to enter can I play for four hours in VR? You know, like this right. is this is where the rubber meets the road and it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna dive into all of that, but just I just wanted fair warning at the top. This is our disclaimer, this is gonna be a heavy vr show although not completely vr because there's there's a lot you'll of feel
1: the stuff. weight of the headset on
0: you yes exactly <laughs> uh all right so let's get into the main part of the show let's start with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week, it's the story of the week. all right christian uh you get first pick no guest this week so uh what you know you have the opportunity to, to make this about anything you want so what is your story of the week
1: my story of the week, is its uh, I'm rolling them into one, but it was the idea of last week of the Xbox 1.1, you know, the modular aspect of the Xbox combined with now the scoops, friend of the show, friend of everyone, right? No one has a bone to pick with Patrick. Patrick Klepek, drop in the scoops of PlayStation 4.5?
0: Yeah man we're actually we're in talks to get him back on the show in the next couple of weeks so I'm hoping that works out but yeah a uh, huge rumor I guess but you know when Patrick Klepek uh, you know reports on something it's more than just a rumor he's got multiple devs off the record kind of confirming that there are talks from Sony that there is going to be some sort of update to the PS4 hardware this the idea being that it will now support 4K resolutions uh, outputting to for games but also it will have the ability to, you know, aid in this PSVR headset, uh, you know, being able to do do more complex visuals from the VR. Because the v- VR is very tech um, uh, intensive, right? It needs, it needs a very high frame rate. There was news at GDC of one of the Sony guys saying, hey, if your VR game ever dips below 60 frames per second, we're not allowing it on our console. We, we will not approve it for Sony for a PlayStation. Um so it, you know it requires a high frame rate and it requires being able to render it twice one in each eye. So, you know, it takes a lot of muscle. Um so the, the idea would be this would help with that, but it also would allow output of 4K. Is this something you're excited about?
1: I I don't think I am, but I um, I'm also I don't have the details that Patrick has, right? I mean, or if he knows more. Like so Full full disclosure. I just took the plunge, or I'm taking the plunge on a pretty beastly gaming PC. So I'm aware One of, of a world. One of us. <laughs> you know, I'm aware of a world, and I've been a PC gamer before many years ago. But of this modular approach to things, and I know you you this hobby is expensive, right? Yeah, there's cheap ass gamer and great you know websites that can help you find deals and stuff like that, and you can be a generation behind or whatever, whatever, but it's still an expensive hobby. But I've always loved the idea of the console space of, I have this thing, it's my thing for four years, and I won't feel like I'm missing out. Now, I know there's been exceptions. has been the 32X, the Sega CD, the Nintendo 64 expansion pack, P-A-K. <laughs> um, but I don't know, to me, the idea of maybe applying the iPhone or OS or, you know, Android model of gaming and incremental improvements every year to consoles as a 35-year-old man, I, I'm saying get off my lawn, but I know it's probably the right thing. Are you are you hip to this or are you an old man like I am?
0: Well, you know, all of the examples you brought up of, of this happening in the past, 32X, Sega CD, all those kinds of things, are examples of it failing, Right. of Examples that people point to of it splintering the user base, making it difficult for devs to know exactly what hardware you're on. And that's, as you said, that's the advantage of the console space is you buy it once every piece of software. All the developers know exactly the hardware they're building it for you as a gamer know that if you go to the store and buy it, it'll work on your system. Everybody's happy. Well, things have started to change a little bit in the last few years, you know, with uh, motion controllers and stuff like that coming out midway through consoles life cycles. Again, not an example of success, an example of kind of (laughs) kind of uh, not working out right. But here's how I think this could work. I think. If legitimately they say this is the PlayStation 4K, like that's what it's PS4K, it it, is. it, it developers are still going to be making games for PS4. What they do doesn't change one iota. But if you happen to have a 4K television and you want to output your games in 4K, you buy this, you plug it into your PS4, or you buy this new version of the PS4, and all the games that you can play on PS4, that all all work and all future games will all work on PS4. But with this thing or with this new iteration of this hardware, you can now output those exact games in 4k resolution. Oh, also, by the way, if you have the, you know, PSVR, you're going to get better frame rates, you're going to, you know, you can turn on bells and whistles in certain games. That would be great. I'd be all over that. And I think that's a great way of messaging, because it's not like some people get better games like, oh, make sure you, you know, the the new 3DS thing where it's like, well, if it has new 3DS on the box, it doesn't work with the old 3DS. It it, it removes that, I think, fear from people that it's, they're still just buying PlayStation 4 games, but with this version, they get to play them at a higher resolution if they happen to have a 4K television. Or Do you bar.
1: think it'll go like... I know Arkham Knight's a bad example of a PC game, but it's the the most recent one I can think of. Maybe The Division does this, too, where NVIDIA shows, you know, if you have an a AMD card or a good card, you can play The Division and it looks pretty. But then, you know, uh, NVIDIA shows if you have the whatever, whatever, you get the smoke dress foggy effects and it's like... Yeah. Do you think PlayStation 4K or 4.5, you know, adds those bells and whistles to where, you know, if I'm playing Arkham Dawn on, uh, on my PS4, it still looks great and whatever. But if you're playing it on your next generation one, you get better Cape physics or cause otherwise I feel like, like I love tech, right? We both, we both love the newest, latest, best, but I, I wonder if what they're making then, if it's the 4K if that's a niche product for a niche product, I mean, what is the 4k TV adoption rate? And now you're going to, well, Sony produce... wants,
0: Sony wants to juice the adoption rate, right? Well, of they course want to sell televisions do. as well. <laughs> so I mean, do. it's in their interest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think that that's an interesting proposition, uh, and certainly seems doable, but then we are really in PC town, right? Because then it's like, well, are you going to let me put those uh, check right. boxes on are you going to give me a menu option for graphics that lets me you know turn those on or turn those off because now i'm in pc town because that's what pc gamers do all the time um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing but I
1: don't it's know. just such a what a place we've come from remember when the og xbox came out and the whole conversation was yeah 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 there's a hard drive in this thing but it is not a computer right it is this is a con this is a thing yeah you might install but this, this is a game and now it's just like it's a computer yeah. <laughs> x86 architecture there's gonna of course it's a computer why wouldn't you want that and i kind of don't disagree
0: i mean i'm very curious to hear what the audience has to say I, you guys can always email us and let us know uh dlc feedback at gmail.com i got some good good feedback this week that i'll be reading later but um I, you know i'd be, I'd be curious to th- see what people think i don't know i mean there's two ways we we know precious little about this. It, it really still isn't very much in rumor territory. We don't know if this is literally a replacement for your PS4 or if it's some sort of add-on that augments your PS4. And I think that that bit of information is a real question mark. I think that uh, the Xbox 1.1 rumor really felt more like a, you know, a, a new iteration on Xbox one, not some sort of add-on bit, but uh I would be much more I think I would be much more excited about the add-on bit than I would be sort of a new new version of the hardware. What do you
1: Yeah, think? maybe like the maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's all speculation, but like the processor unit that they're all it does is make PlayStation VR go to your TV, like maybe they're like, "Hey, we can juice this and yeah. sell this as a non-VR thing and now we have this thing." But so you it's got three or four little like
0: mini PS4 looking things all attached. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Uh, well, it certainly brings me to, you know, I think the, the story of the week, which is the details on Sony VR, which were announced at GDC. Um 399 is the big marquee number. Of course, that's not really the price if you're sitting there with just a PS4. You, you can't buy the 399 version and play with your VR goggles without having a camera. They say the reason they offer this bundle without the camera is because a lot of people already own the camera. I think that's actually really respectful of the, of the market, not forcing you to rebuy something you already have. I'm one of those people that does already have the camera, so I think that's actually pretty cool. But... You can't pre-order the 3.99 version. You can only pre-order the 4.99 version, which is the one.
1: But they say that you can, well, you can't pre-order either as we're recording this, right? The tomorrow, 4.99 supposedly. one is.
0: Tomorrow is when it goes right. on sale.
1: And they say that they'll have a pre-order for their bare bones one. But I, I think this is a smart move. That this is the pre-order thing. Get the one out that most people don't have the thing and also that the really eager beavers will Buy anyway because they got to get locked down the pre-order, and then they have until October to release the plan. But if they did a double skew right now, I think that creates market confusion. And then, you know, uh Billy buys the headset without the the camera and takes it home and is, gets it delivered from Amazon, and it's like VR here I come, and literally can't play it. It's you know they have a messaging problem with, with the yeah. cameraless headset.
0: Also, you know, it doesn't come with the move controllers, which. This new, this $500 one actually comes with Move controllers, two of them, which is actually pretty cool. It seems like a pretty good bargain, but now you're at $500, right? So you're pretty close to that Oculus price point. You are, you know, having the sort of touch version of the controllers, which Oculus doesn't come with, but the Oculus touch controllers are far superior than the Move controllers. In fact, in my opinion, you know, it's, I guess it's cool that they are sort of retroactively making the Move controllers useful and cool again, but... Uh, they are clearly not. They were not designed with VR in mind. These are, they are, you know, co opted for something that they weren't intended to be used for, and it shows. You know, having had hands on with a whole slew of PSVR games at GDC, it's pretty clear that the the Move controllers, when compared with the Oculus Touch or the Vive controllers. are lagging far, far behind uh, as far as sort of fidelity and
1: useless. Was lagging the uh, keyword there?
0: Well, there, no, no, there there isn't lag. You know, they are, they are effective. They just, they're just a little awkward and sort of not as, not as designed for the kinds of experiences that VR offers. I mean, they really were designed for that more puppeteering sort of, you know, we esque way of doing waggle way of doing motion control And they, they weren't meant to mirror your hands in VR space, which is what a lot of VR games are being developed for is create, putting you in a world and then giving you hands in that world to actually physically manipulate things. That's not that the moved controllers were. So it really does show. And it's kind of unfortunate Hmm. that they're tied to that, um, so I'm of two minds you know, it's cool that like my move controllers, which have been sitting in a drawer for a couple of years now <laughs> are useful again. Uh, but I don't know. It's not, it's not the, it's not clearly not what they would have come out with if they had designed controllers for a VR headset.
1: Can I uh, jump ahead a little bit just cause we're kind of here right now. Yeah. If I don't have a gaming PC, and i am on your vr hype train like you have won me over or the idea of vr has won me over and i want to get into vr i have a ps4 i don't have a gaming pc maybe i'll get one and i think your wife's about to get a surprise um <laughs> she's, walking <laughs> the door. she's walking in the door um would you recommend a playstation vr if that's your only option
0: I would. Uh, I think uh, PSVR is actually pretty darn good. I mean, I've, get, I've been getting this question a lot uh, over Twitter this this week, and you know, I, I do think that PSVR is clearly third place in in terms of fidelity of experience and and sort of fun factor uh, for me, and, and the kinds of games and kinds of experiences that that I want are, are much more impressive on the other two platforms, Oculus and Vive, but by no means. Does that indicate, you know, should, should you take from that, that the PSVR experience isn't cool? It is extremely cool. And in fact, one of the things I kept tweeting about this, this week was how impressed I was by the comfort factor of the PS headset, because by far, by far, it is the most comfortable of the three, uh, the way they use the sort of headband, uh, approach where, you know, both Oculus and Vive have this, this, I guess, I guess you would call it netting or sort of plastic straps that go over the top of your head, which, you know, if you're trying to not come out looking like a complete weirdo hair wise (laughs) are are unfortunate and also aren't the most comfortable things. And in fact, the Vive, I would say, is the least comfortable It, it, it the way it sits on my face. I find to be the least, least comfortable. It is, it it kind of presses in on your face and the, the, the weight and the way it sits, it just, it, it kind of doesn't feel that great over a long period of time, but the PSVR headset is excellent in that regard. You actually kind of have a button on the front and you pull it back. So you're kind of gripping the head, the headband on either side and stretching it back to put your, put it over your head. And then the, the headset itself, which hangs off of that headband is kind of sitting out away from your face. And you have a second button that lets you move that in close to your face. So it's almost, you can almost have it not touch your face at all. Uh, and it feels very light and very comfortable. So, from that sense, I think it is by far the winner in terms of comfort level, which I think is a big deal. But it also, you know, it also has great games and really interesting experiences that I think are going to sell a lot of people on VR. If you're talking about a $500 version of PlayStation VR, if you don't have a, a PC go for it. If you're excited about VR, this might be a way in. There's going to be really cool games on it. I'll talk about a lot of them coming up that I played. But if you do have a PC that can run VR, there's no reason I think that you should go the PlayStation version. Unless at E3, we find out some cool exclusive games. But right now, I think it really is a better experience if you have the PC that can run it go hundred dollars more and get the Oculus because the games just look and play that much better. The frame rates are much higher. The it's smoother. It, it there were a, a few moments in, in PSVR where I was a little nauseated because I feel like it's just not as crisp, not as smooth an experience. So it, it is by far the third ranked of them, but it is still a fun, cool VR experience.
1: So I need to, I need to whisper now because your wife's home, um, <laughs> you have an Oculus and a five pre-ordered.
0: Yeah. I are you going to, are you
1: going to pre-order a PlayStation VR?
0: No, I'm not going to pre-order one tomorrow. I, I, if at some point they announce an like three and wait. Yeah. If they announce like, oh, you know, no man's sky is exclusive in VR to, uh, PlayStation VR or some sort of uncharted VR experience or something. I may be, I may be like, ah, crap. I can't play anything (laughs) else. But, uh, for me, you know, the other two are, are plenty. Um, but are you canceling
1: one of your other two? No,
0: (laughs) that's all. I'm so excited. I'm not, I know I'm the worst guy. I'm the worst. Everybody's like you, but the best friend, you know, a hole. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to come over. It's going to be awesome. Um, Maybe I should talk a, a, a little bit about some of the games I played on PSVR, so it's not all clumped into the um, to the uh, playlist segment.
1: Well, I feel like this episode is a special GDC kind of. Re- I mean, yeah. it's going to be a little different. We're starting at a little time. I'm sitting in a different location.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, is my wife hovering above you going? This is you for
1: the wild? She's like, actually, we're both just like reading really sweet notes that you've left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I played a whole bunch of I was at the Sony uh, announcement event at GDC and they had game stations set up with um, with a whole bunch of games. And it's funny. It's so different than most events because the the VR experience is like the person is sitting in in their own little space. They have headphones on. So I know you know and I'll probably a lot of other people know that like E3 is this bombastic crazy experience and all these events, you know, packs, anything where you have people playing games, it's it's so loud and crazy. But a but a VR event, an exclusively VR event, it's really serene. Like everybody's in their own little world and it's really like <laughs> calm and quiet and nice. So it's it kind
1: where of are the booth babes here, put on headset twenty seven. Yeah, exactly
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, don't don't talk to Microsoft about booth babes. My goodness, GDC faux pas there. Uh, but um, you know, I think for me, the, the game that I played that was the most impressive was a game called Thumper uh, on the PSVR, which is it's a, a game that was made not for VR, but they brought it into VR, and it it's crazy. It's a rhythm game where you're like in this Tron kind of neon world, and you're you know you're rocketing at blazing speeds down this track and uh lights are all around you and going crazy and you have to like hit the button on certain when you run over certain key things and if you're going around a turn you have to hit a button or else you'll crash ah, i was awesome i mean it's it's very simplistic but it it shows just what being inside that experience can be like uh that game was a, a real standout for me i also played the game from a lot of the devs marty uh mcdonald from from you know from, Formerly of Bungie. And former dinner. Bungie, yeah, yeah,
1: Halo Score.
0: Yep, uh, he did the music for a game called Gollum, and it is a bunch of sort of former Bungie guys and other high-profile high, high profile devs, uh, and that is a game where, it, it's an adventure game where you are uh, this little girl who, or a boy, maybe it's either gender, um, but you you don't have the use of your legs, but you can, like, send your consciousness into this little doll, and then the doll can, like, Inhabit other things and you eventually inhabit like bigger and bigger golems and you're in these sort of sword fights that play out a lot like Mike Tyson's punch out where, you know, you have to wait for the thing to attack and then you attack in certain ways, but it's all physical, right? Because you're using the move controllers to block sword attacks with your sword and do certain things. Very, very cool. Um, But that was one of the ones where like it looked really beautiful, but I feel like the frame rate was a little low, at least in this early form. And I kind of got a little nauseated. Um, but I also played rigs, which is that they're calling it a VR Esport where it's a lethal weapon five rigs. Yeah. He's getting too old for this S. Um, (laughs) have you heard of this one, Christian? This is the one where you, you like you, it's like basketball where you're trying to throw something through a hoop, but the thing you're throwing through a hoop is yourself.
1: Yes. And you're kind of in like a, it's like a rocket or like a alien cranny. Like they're all like interesting ways for how they handle movement.
0: It's a, you're in a mech. You're basically like like a future mech and you're running around, you're shooting people. And then once you've shot enough people, you get energized. And when you get energized, it's like you have become the ball, you know, and then you need to throw yourself energized through this hoop that's sitting in the center of the arena. So once you become energized, you become target number one because the other team wants to kill you before you get yourself through the hoop um pretty cool pretty cool i think it's a fun idea and uh plays out really really well and the controls are really cool you know it it, it, you play it with a dual shock and not with the move controllers so
1: i and that is interesting that didn't you did you or did you not feel sick in that one not really no i didn't um because I feel like that's the fast. So I wonder if it is like that's the hard part. I think about this: is is it you know frame rate or is it something else? Or you're turning because that seems like you're whipping around, moving around a whole bunch. And if that is running nice and smooth, then I feel like the tech is there to have that cool immersive experience. And now you just need the games to be developed in a way that don't push the wrong button.
0: Well, I I think that the the visuals in that one were less ambitious than the visuals in Gollum. Sure, sure. And I think you know you're in this kind of confined arena space, and everything's a little more simplistic looking. But it's interesting. I played that, and I also played a game called Battle Zone, which is also for PSVR. Uh, similar, you're in a tank, and uh, you you know you're you're fighting other players in this tank world and other AIs and and stuff. Um, and both of those, you know, the cockpit. They're calling they they have different names for all these different VR experiences. And one of them is sort of cockpit games, right? So Eve Valkyrie is a cockpit game, and any game where you're sort of in something and it makes sense that you're in that thing in VR and you're controlling that thing. Um, But there's a different, there's different ways that they handle it, right? In rigs and in a lot of these other games, the sort of the thing that would usually be controlled with your right thumbstick, which is your look, you know, is controlled with your face, (laughs) your head. So where you look is where you aim, but in battle zone, you're in this tank. So you're still controlling it exactly like you would, a first person shooter you're controlling your movement and your and the look of your target reticle with the two thumbsticks and your head is free to look wherever you want but your target reticle still is controlled like a first person shooter I actually huh. prefer the latter much more because a lot of these games are using you know where you turn your head is where you aim but it 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 feels better to me to have a separate target reticle so I don't have to like crane my neck to look right at my target. I can be turning away and still shooting at a target behind me or sideways or whatever it is. Uh, and I think those two approaches are pretty interesting to contrast.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here bobbing my head around and like for in real life, you know, I need to look to aim somewhere, but my aiming reticle, I guess it's my eyes, but it's my hands. Like there is a disconnect. It's not, I look and I would shoot somewhere. I would need to connect to that look, send the, neuron flashes right down to my arms and my brain and have my hands line up in the same way it's interesting i I feel like the fix though is that um are the controllers right where you take it out of a dual shock style thing and you you make my hands the thing but they're not mapped to where my eyes are exactly pointed what a brave new world man
0: no you're completely spot on when you have those those motion controllers in the mix it it becomes completely natural, and one of the PSVR games is, that we've talked about before is the Heist, where you know you've actually got guns in your hand and you can point them where you want because they're move controllers, and it's picked up in 3D space by the camera. So that is the most natural, and and I think you know if we take it back to sort of which of the headsets do you want to buy, for my money, I think the best overall experience sort of fidelity wise and field of view wise and lack of that screen door effect and comfort. When you take all those factors in, I do think the Oculus is the top of the heap as far as the three main headsets. I do. I also think it's a big mistake that they are launching the Oculus without the touch controllers because the Vive, like starting with that experience where, all the games know that you have the controller, the the touch controllers and bringing you into that, what they call room scale experience is really, really cool. And you don't have to worry about those things of like, you know, when you're controlling a controller, do I map it to your face? Do I map it to the, to the thumbstick? All that stuff goes away. Like you said, with the touch controllers. So the Vive, you know, the Vive's integration and, and, um, commitment to that right at the top is very compelling as well um and I think the the oculus's touch controllers are better than the vives touch controllers you just can't get them yet and that's the bummer
1: you came away I think you tweeted it out like if you were going to pick one oculus is your favorite so it's it's yes I mean it's 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 so interesting that like they all seem to have pros and the psvr being price point and user base potential right um, then the vibe it's committing to what it is out of the box day one. So what's Oculus's thing that is, that is hooking you to make it the top of the pile. Cause right now it sounds like, uh, it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, I think it is, it's more comfortable than the Vive. I think the, the sort of just pure view from inside the headset is slightly better in the Oculus for my money than the Vive. Although I have to say this caveat, a lot of these demos that you get, uh, at these events, you're not entirely sure which version of the hardware you're on. Cause some of them are showing them to you in developer kits and some of them are showing in, mm. in the fi- final versions. So I'm not always certain. I do think that it, there's a slight advantage to the Oculus in terms of just inside the headset, what you're seeing, how much you're seeing immersion. I think it's, it's the best of the three. I also think that the Oculus's touch controllers are far superior to the Vives touch controllers. I just wish they came out at the same time because the Oculus touch controllers, it frees up your fingers and you can actually open and close your hand. Whereas the Vive controller asks you to push a button with your fingers to grip something. And I think that is a much less intuitive motion Mm -hmm. And and it, and it, it really isn't as good. Um, but the fact that they're, you know, that they're coming out with that right at the top is is huge. And I'll get, you know, later in the show I'll get to some of the cool Vive experiences that I have that really sell those controllers, and it's it's really fun.
1: Did you, as a gentleman who has worn glasses and wears glasses from time to time, did you play? Did you try any of these headsets with glasses to see if that makes a difference for people? I
0: didn't, but I, I heard a lot of people that did, and and most of them didn't have a problem, especially with the PSVR yeah, headset. Good. Like I said, where it has that sort of slide in and out functionality it really mm-hmm. you really could set it how far away from your face you needed to accommodate glasses so i don't think those will be a problem
1: that's cool and i also think that too when people get these in their homes i imagine the comfort factor goes up as people rig it appropriately and you know like i know um at least when i was on dev kit 2 of oculus you know you can adjust there's fine tune adjustments that can go into these things that when you set it up for you it's for you and it's nice and you know what it is. It's kind of like I'm pretty anal about my car seat <laughs> and it's always a a very expensive feature. It's always in like the bundle package four that gives you like a moonroof and all this crap I don't want, but I love the button that like saves your seat settings. Right. And so when I get dialed in, I want to be dialed in. So I think for me like having a headset at home, if I ever have one, would make the experience so much better cuz I just put it on and I'm good to go and I'm not okay, now turn this crank and do this thing and now do, do, get the lenses. It's like, this is my headset. I'm ready to
0: play. Well, I also feel like it's going to be a, a whole new experience once I own a headset because you know, all these headsets are going on all kinds of different people at these events. And when I'm able to sort of dial it in and make it my own and have my settings exactly how I want them, I think that might be better too.
1: And you know when that is because Oculus has told you.
0: Yeah, that's very frustrating. Comes out next week. I have no idea when mine's arriving. So who knows? Uh, I hope I get it next week, but we'll we'll see. Um, We do have some other news bits that I want to hit on that have nothing to do with VR. So uh, stick around for that. But I do need to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Oh man, Squarespace is great. They've been supporting the show for so long and I have been a user of Squarespace for so long. It's because I actually genuinely like it. JeffCanada.com, housed on Squarespace, built on Squarespace.
1: DepartmentofParenting.com, Squarespace.
0: Right, yeah, because why did you choose it, Christian?
1: Um, Because I listened to this. It was the easiest way to set up something quick that looked pretty and works reliably and I know we'll be there when people need to find links to the podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's easy to find, easy to make. Great looking websites, just simple. That's the thing. Squarespace is simple. So if you need any reason, if there's any reason for you to be on the web, if you need any kind of website, Squarespace is a great solution. You can create something quickly and easily that looks unique, doesn't look like a cookie cutter. It actually can be edited, uh, just drag and drop. What you see is what you get. It's great. It can be updated quickly and easily. If you need to sell something, you can make a marketplace on your site very, very easily, just all drag and drop widgets. It's great. It's great. Uh, plus you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year so you can start there. You don't need any coding experience. It's all so simple. And the best part I think is that they let you try it without even putting a credit card in. You don't get automatically charged for anything after a period. It truly is free to try. So head over to squarespace.com slash DLC, check it out, build a website, make it however you want, and then decide at that point, whether or not you want to buy it. And if you do, Put in our promo code, which is Jeff JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and you will get 10% off your purchase. That's pretty cool. So do that. It shows Squarespace that you listen to our show, which we really appreciate, and it helps you out by getting you 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace.com slash D-L-C. Use that promo code, Jeff Uh Okay, Christian, so some, some more non-VR news. We'll, we'll loop back to VR shortly, but... Um, some interesting things, we saw that the division uh, has had now officially the best ever opening sales for a new IP ever. I said ever twice, but it's it ever. It, they beat out um, Destiny, which was the previous record holder. Uh, Destiny had uh, 325 million in the first five days on the market. division, 330 million in the first five days, so uh, it edges it out. We don't know if that's actually more units sold or just more monies, but either way, it's pretty impressive. Um, Ubisoft is saying the best opening ever for any of their games, uh, and this is a new IP. This is a really new IP. It's not even, you know, Destiny is a new IP, but I think in a lot of ways, people saw it as a spiritual successor to Halo. Well, this
1: is Tom Clancy.
0: I guess you're right. You're right.
1: I mean, it's give and take. I'm not trying to take it. it's, It's great, but it is... I feel like these press releases are always uh like Apple conferences. The revolutionary like you put an adjective in front of it. it doesn't change it. It's still cool, but it's uh it's funny
0: yeah uh but I think you know I think it's great that this has happened to a game that's actually excellent um in my opinion. And uh, I hope this means that The Division is going to be supported for a long period of time from Ubisoft because it feels like it can be a, a platform uh, that can be updated and improved over time. So I'm I'm really excited that this game has been as successful as it has.
1: Well, I love that this console generation we've seen two new IPs be huge sellers right which is like the the pessimist way of that is like oh great we're going to see destiny we're going to be playing destiny till destiny 10 or like who's looking forward to the division 15 but the flip side of that coin is holy crap investing in new IP in a cool universe or in a way that gets people excited is something that is profitable and works out. So while we might see Destiny Eight and the Division 15 or whatever, we also might get to see Whirlwind or I don't know, whatever, right? Like other new IPs because this is showing the AAA community that these investments can pay off. And that's super exciting of a world where it was like, oh look, more brown. Here's Gears of War eight. Da da da, da. It's like right. no, we're getting cool new stuff. And then now we're also getting VR with cool new stuff. Like this gen however you want to label it is incredible. And Absolutely. yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah. I uh, Also want to run by you um, a rumor image. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out yet, but people are thinking that we may have actually gotten a leaked photo of what Nintendo's NX will look like. I know it's another week, another bit of, is this the NX? But seriously, is this the NX? Um, Neo Gaff went a little crazy with analysis of this photo that kind of leaked during GDC, people think it might actually be a developer kit for NX that was that was leaked. It falls in line with a reported patent image that uh, was uh, was leaked sort of well not leaked but reported on back in December that looks like this it's this crazy uh, uh, oval shape, this very extreme oval shape. Uh, that is an entire screen with two buttons sticking out of it. And the screen sort of extends past the buttons. It's It, it looks very strange to me. Um, and it is very oval. I mean, there's no square screen here. This is a... a, a I feel like games would have to be made just to fit this screen. Uh, it's shown in this image running the Unreal Engine. And some intrepid users at NeoGAF have run analysis on the image and it doesn't seem to have been photoshopped although they say take it with a big grain of salt still well, it would be
1: like after effects or motion right you know, it's not funny. well they, <laughs> i love i love these neo gaff detectives like straight up this stuff fascinates me
0: what do you think do you think this is it
1: remember when i said after michael packner kind of poo-pooed the NX, and i was like well this is good it's slowing my expectations for the nx my nx hype train was off the rails um I'm ready to be hyped again (laughs) because this controller has officially unhyped me. This thing looks so—it looks. Remember when the was it the PlayStation Three and they were like, "And here's our new controller," and everyone was like, "Oh no, (laughs) what did you do?" Yeah, like this thing has two thumbsticks. It looks like virtual buttons. It looks like an ergonomic nightmare to hold. It looks like if you took a football and and made it 2D is kind of the shape, and it just looks. And wasted screen space, like, it's not even, oh, cool, when you're watching a movie, you have more viewing space that goes past where your hands would be, but then you still have the thumbsticks there. So I don't know when you would ever use that extra real estate, and I I, I created a little paper cutout of it, just because I'm a nerd, and I was like, oh, maybe it's cool because you have your thumbs on the thumbstick, and then that extra real estate is like your inventory or your map. You know, it's like screen, but not screen that gets in the way of what you're playing but from what I did for my tracing that that doesn't hold true, it seems so weird. So it, weird.
0: it does seem like Nintendo going further down the rabbit hole of you got to make games specifically for our thing. And, you know, probably only going to be first party things that really understand how to make games for this and screw everybody else. Uh, which feels like, I mean, it's more Nintendo. So maybe they continue to know the right thing for themselves, but it just—it's farther and farther away from what games have sort of been on other platforms. I don't know. It's—it's it's strange. I, I, is there a part of you that thinks this is cool, or are you all just sort of worried?
1: I think it's cool that it's running Unreal Four. The rest of me is worried, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Well, I wanted to bring that up because you know, it, it certainly could be the NX, and it could shock a lot of people if this thing is—is is real and looks like that, but. It remains to be seen. Uh, all right, Christian, let's uh, let's talk about other stuff. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the playlist. All right. You have been playing before I get to more VR talk. Uh, you have been playing the division. Uh, you had only played a few hours last week. And because you had been on vacation, but uh, you got a lot more time in on it this week. What do you, what do you think?
1: I still really really enjoy the game. There's a great, I think it's a great piece over on Kill Screen talking about the story in the world of the Division. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, Jeff, but it's about you know what authoritarian world that we're living in, and while a game tries to be non political, is it, and are we okay with the world that the Division is selling to us as a? cool just kind of shooter i think it's a fascinating piece uh if you're interested you should go read it i can touch on it a little bit in terms of the game's story but before i get there my big takeaway from the division is i think and i think you've been this you said this before jeff but i'm just accepting the fact that i enjoy third person shooters more than first person shooters and the weird realization i had is that i find third person shooters non-vr regular you know flat screened (laughs) uh, video games more immersive than first person. Cause I find my, I'm able to do and accurately control my character in a way that I would want to do things like popping in and out of cover, um, meleeing someone or throwing someone feels less cumbersome. And I know mirror's edge tried to do that before and they're trying to do that again, but I find myself like having more badass moments in third person than in first person. And, and, I also think the shooting, I think destiny is a better first person shooter than the division is third person shooter, but I would still prefer the division's third person shooting over destiny's first person shooting. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And, and I think uh, for me, a lot of the reason, well, it's twofold. There's, there's an issue with peripheral vision in first person shooters that I always have an issue with. And I think other people may not, uh, have that problem. But for me, especially in multiplayer, my goodness, when well, I die spatial I,
1: awareness, right? You talk yeah. about seat of your pants for driving. I don't need to see you to necessarily
0: feel you're there right? in real life. Right. And, and, you know, in third person, you sort of get a better sense if someone's coming up next to you or behind you or whatever, you know, you have a little bit more of that, Field of view around your player character, and I, I think that goes a long way for me personally. Now, now to be honest, I really do love first-person shooters a lot, but but I think, like you, I prefer the third-person view for that reason. Secondly, uh, in games like these that are heavily dependent on getting cool loot, I like seeing my guy look cool. I like seeing the loot have an effect on my player character. And in first-person, like okay, maybe it affects the gun that I'm holding that's you know close in my HUD, but other than that. You know, in in Destiny, you have to go to the main pl- hub area to see all the cool loot, or go to a start screen and see the cool loot that you got. You know, it's it really is more satisfying for me in a loot game to have a third person avatar on my screen.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And then, like the this is again the Destiny and Division compare and contrast section. I think I that I think Destiny's story, as much maligned as it is makes more sense than The Divisions. The Divisions, I'm not going to spoil anything in this, in what I'm talking about. The story in The Division is so crazy. Taking aside Killscreen's article about, you know, the political undertones of it, to me it suffers from the same problem that um, Dark Knight Rises suffered from, where in Dark Knight Rises there's a, a, a time gap, and then you come back to Gotham City. But in The Division... This is literally the opening cinematic, right? There's a very small time gap and it's cool because you have apartments that are modern and lived in and it's not fallout wasteland, but at the same time how do these looters organize so quickly? Like who are these people? Like they want to draw you looters into this do really
0: organize. Cr- <laughs> they just loot. Yeah.
1: Well, but they're not though. They have there's there are bosses, <laughs> you know right, what I mean. I mean they not, have yeah. they have hideouts. Um, you have safe safe zones, and uh, cleaners have. Where did all these flamethrowers come from?
0: <laughs> it's like I think it's isn't it supposed to be like the fire department decide or parts of the fire department decided that they needed to eradicate the disease to save humanity. I like that the fact that the bad guys even have noble intentions, it's like, well, we got you kind of understand where they're coming from. They they feel like they need to eradicate the disease, so they're just gonna wipe everybody out.
1: Well I mean that's um, kind of what you're like right like again, the story and the what it hangs its premise on is, is fairly ridiculous where you're going around killing looters, because of course you would, and then right after you kill the looters, the first thing you do is loot. <laughs> yeah (laughs) and it's like yeah you can't leave we got to restore order by the way i'm exploring this apartment oh this is a dope coat let me try this coat on (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah
1: and then you take the coat so it's like this it's this weird thing with what i think the game is trying to do with its presentation and its aesthetic of like this is new york if you've been to new york and you know this grid you can get your you know you can get around without using your map but at the same time it's a real world and it's new york and the first looter you come across, you don't even have an option to be like, hey, stop. I, I can help you. Here's a coat. You, you sneak up behind them, and it's pop, pop. And then yeah. you steal their stuff. And it's this weird, for me, this weird disconnect that when I try to follow the story, because I know when you and um, Alex had talked about it, you were like, it's cool. And I asked about replaying the story missions. For me, I enjoy the game much more if I just don't care that I'm just I'm playing Diablo. You know what I mean? Like, and I really love the moment to moment action of it. And I even played a couple of missions with uh, random matchmaking and those are super fun. The people I matched with were great and supportive. And we did have that fun Ubisoft press conference talk, um, like chatter in the headsets. But, uh, the, the story idea itself, I think these loot driven mass murdering games (laughs) almost work better when it is an alien, when it is something where it's like, what are you doing? We're stopping the end of the world this alien has tough skin, go shoot the crap out of him. And right. so for me, that's kind of been my takeaway.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. I mean, I, I, for, I just like the variety of, of missions that, and the story missions themselves always seem to be really well designed. And I'm going into interesting locations and dealing with cool guys doing crazy stuff. And the totally. fights are fun, but you know,
1: it's just the story behind, like the mission itself yeah, agree, is, yeah. is great. Yeah. It's just like the, yeah, <laughs> the actual cutscene or whatever.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to talk about on your playlist?
1: Disney infinity 3.0 Marvel battlegrounds is the new play set for Disney infinity. It is power stone. Is a shorthand for that. If you remember the Dreamcast game of old and you could use all of your Marvel two point or Disney infinity 2.0 Marvel characters work in the game. It has a story mode. It is very short. I think it's still up on my Twitch channel. I played through the entire story mode. I think in an hour with one character, you can go through it with different characters. I was, uh, Black Spider Man. I think he died, so I had to play as Venom too. I realize that all of my Marvel Disney Infinity characters are in black costumes. It's like Black Panther, Venom, uh, Nick Fury, <laughs> Black Spider Man. I'm like Black he has Widow, a black trench coat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Black Widow. <laughs> um, but it's really cool. Like again, Disney Infinity is never the best game, and in, uh, in terms of like what it does, but it's always better than it needs to be. And so, while this is a Power Stone kind of clone or ripoff, and it's not as good as what I think Power Stone 3 could be, it's far better than it has any right being for a licensed cash in, where half the reason I'm buying it is because uh, Black Costume Spider Man is a dope little figure that I want on my desk. And it's couch co opable. Um, it's more fun as a time waster, as a palate cleanser, I think, than as a. Let's bring the friends over and play 10 hours of battlegrounds um but i know best buy had a deal on it and if you can find a deal on it and you're addicted to disney infinity hey dan how you doing um <laughs> I, I think it's worth the uh, 15 bucks or whatever you can get it for but you stayed away which is good for I have. you i have
0: i have several of the figures just to have his figures cuz star wars ones <laughs> um yeah. but uh they're in the box still <laughs> just just a display characters so.
1: Future college funds, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. That'd be nice.
0: Um, yeah, so uh, I guess this is the part of the show then where I uh, I try to explain why VR is awesome. In I'm various, ready. Various ways. So I, tons of, tons of games on display. And honestly, I think even objectively, you would have to say that both the Oculus and the Vives and the PSVRs launch lineups. if If you're talking about launching any kind of piece of hardware ever, This is among the strongest launch lineups for anything ever. It's extraordinary the number of games that are coming out that are all really interesting and cool. Uh, And the the Oculus lineup, they showed the price list and it's surprisingly inexpensive too. I mean, most of the games, the average price is around 20 bucks for games, uh, which I don't think indicates they are slight experiences in any way. I I think it's really interesting how the pricing is working out. Uh, for a lot of these games. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about, and feel free to interrupt me at any time and ask questions or, or what, make me clarify something. Um, I want to talk about, I think, one of the most impressive ones for me, which was The Lab, which is Vive's one of Vive's launch titles that will be free on Steam to anybody that has a Vive. And it really is... In my opinion, the the Wii Sports for the Vive, you know, which maybe has a negative connotation for some people, but Wii Sports proved why Vive, or excuse me, why why Wii was fun. And for a lot of people, it was the only thing they played on Wii, and they were perfectly happy with that. It was really cool, but it was a lot of short experiences, small experiences that sort of were proof of concept of how that worked. And I know that a lot of people said, well, it never got anywhere beyond these short experiences. But there's already proof that VR has longer, more interesting experiences. I mean, EVE Valkyrie is that already. But man, being in the lab and the fact that this is, you know, this is a Valve game. Yes, it's a bunch of mini games, but they're all themed around that Aperture Science, uh, you know, experience. Which is, I think the, the qualities of Aperture Science that we love are, it's this crazy science experiments and it's comedic. And comedy goes such a long way in making all this stuff fun, don't you think?
1: I mean, in terms of what Valve has done with even Half-Life, Half-Life, Half-Life had moments. But yeah, I, the reason Portal was a great game wasn't because of the puzzles. It was because of the world in which you were doing the
0: puzzles. Yeah, and here you're sort of back in that world. It's It's very, very high fidelity as far as the way things look. There's one of the experiences where you're just... So you're in this like aperture science lab that has crazy tech, you know, crazy, uh, you know, fantasy tech around you. One of the things is this weird dog creature that looks like a, it's a robot dog, but it looks kind of like a worm, and it looks like almost like um almost like the dog in uh in Toy Story, you know, that has a slinky as. Oh his, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of like that. He's a worm that kind of extends and contracts like that. Um. And one of the experiences, you're just in this sort of photorealistic environment and you can pick up a stick and throw it and he'll go chase it. And there's not really anything to it, but it's just amazing that you're in this photorealistic environment. But it, but just adding that little sort of robot dog is this touch of whimsy that I think goes a long way in all this stuff. Anyway, so that's sort of the least interesting of the experiences because you're sort of there in this photoreal environment, just kind of showing that they can do, you know, photoreal. But then I went to th- with this thing called slingshot, which is you're in Aperture Science Laboratory, you're standing on this pedestal, and you're overlooking like this gigantic warehouse with boxes stacked everywhere. Sort of like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the arc is, you know, it's a giant, massive warehouse of mysteries. And the robots are talking to you and they're like, okay, well, we're ready to help. And 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 this like massive techno slingshot unfolds in front of you. And these little spherical robots are loaded into it, And they all have little personalities based on which kind of spheroid they are. And you using the actual vive controller, reach out with your hand, grab a ball, put it into the slingshot, grab the slingshot, pull it back and let it go. And then you catapult these, Spherical robots into the boxes, knocking the boxes over, scoring points. So you, it's, it's like it, Bloomblocks
1: VR. That's great. Boom, I mean, that was a great game when it came out with uh, Wiimotes, You know that level of interaction. And Now, if you're in
0: that world, it's yeah, cool. It's Bloomblocks, or or even uh, I was thinking Angry Birds, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah, Bloom Blocks was 3D. What <laughs> was Steven Spielberg behind it?
0: Okay. <laughs> but I can't tell you how how cool it is. So the fun is the the commentary that the robots are having, where they're like, "Oh, I'm here to help them." <laughs> you know like that kind of thing is happening but also just the fact that when you pull the slingshot back you can pull it past your face you know and you can turn around and look back at it and aim your shot correctly and it's all in 3D and you're in that space instant fun similarly another one of the lab things is this sort of tower defense thing where you're you know in a uh, you're standing on a, a a rampart of a castle and you have a bow and arrow and you're shooting bow and arrows at little little uh i guess there's like the creature or the the drawing of the person from a rest a restroom sign or a, any kind of public sign where it's just like a a circle head and a stick stick figure body but they're kind of coming at you with uh weapons and they're going to attack your castle and you're shooting a bow and arrow like you would shoot a bow and arrow super fun super cool again just a small experience the one that really blew my mind is they've created a bullet hell shooter Inside VR, where there is a tiny spaceship hovering in, in, in the air in front of you. And you take the Vive controller, and it says, pick up the spaceship. So you grab onto the spaceship with your controller. And now your spaceship is in your hand, attached to your hand. So anywhere you move your hand in 3D space, the spaceship moves. And you pull the trigger on the controller, and it shoots a laser wherever you're pointing the spaceship. So you're, it's as if you got a toy, uh, like a, you know, like a hot wheels plane and you're moving it around with your hand in the air. Like a little kid would be like, yeah, yeah. But, uh, enemies are all around you in 3d space and they're shooting dots of, of lasers at you that like a, any bullet hell shooter are kind of coming at you very slowly
1: I'm feeling anxious.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you have to weave your hand through up around between these bullets and avoid them. They can't hit your ship or your ship explodes, just like a bullet hell ship. Hit your coffee or your lap
1: explodes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, it is incredibly fun. Like they had to rip me away from that experience because. I mean, bullet hell shooters already are kind of cool, but this completely reinvents them because it's bullet hell in three, 3D space. So you're going like around the bullets and the fact that you're, you're doing it all with your hand, like weaving in and out of that stuff and shooting the guys. I mean, it, it is to VR, I think what Geometry Wars was to the arcade experience, right? It, it sort of reinvents it, brings it into the future, feels fresh and exciting, is a take on an established thing that we've never seen before
1: yeah that's awesome I'm, I'm, this makes me you had talked about before too with the um the vive game you had played a couple weeks ago uh you know about like getting exercise, but i feel like maybe in the next iteration of vr if this killer app is Tybo, you know what like how does it because i'm sitting here picturing you're doing this and you're whipping your head around and you're moving your hand around that, that you know add a little weight and you're coming out of this game buff
0: yeah man And I think that's a positive thing. Like get people off the couch and get them to, I know a lot of people just sort of are resistant to that, but it's so fun. And again, I know I said this last week and have sent it, said it before, but it is palpably different than what we experienced with the Wii, where you were doing that stuff, but you were checking the screen to see if your movements were, were being mirrored. You were puppeteering something on the screen. You were, constantly checking in to see if that was happening in these VR experiences. You're just doing it you take for granted that it's all working because it just does. You just are there. You're just in it. And there's no like checking to see if it's recorded. There's no, there's no feeling of puppeteering. It really feels like you are doing it. It's amazing. Which is why one of my big disappointments from the show, uh, is the game the climb which is the Crytek game um i'm sure you've heard about that one that's like you're a sort of free form mountain climber and you're going in these beautiful you know these beautiful outdoor environments where you're scaling these mountains um yeah
1: it was like you know taking i think what they were trying to bring next level was the awesome climbing that assassin's creed did you know where it was like yeah this isn't infamous you're not just pushing x to climb you're climbing and i feel like Crytek was like, oh yeah, now you're in the world and you're really going to, you're really going to climb. And it was a graphical showstopper too, right? I mean, that was the pitch of it.
0: It's beautiful. It certainly, is. I mean, it's got the Crytek engine behind it. It's gorgeous. And the, you know, it does reward you for like getting to the top of the mountain because you have these beautiful vistas that you, you, you see, but unfortunately right now it's being developed for the Oculus with a controller. And I think I also played a, um, a climbing game that I'm not allowed to talk about because I signed an NDA, but that one used the Vive controllers. And I think if the climb supported the Oculus Touch, and maybe it will when those finally launch, but it, it that is the superior experience. And I know that people are like, well, I would rather play with a controller and not flail my arms around. I'm telling you, it's better. It's actually better to really do it because you feel You feel that all those sensations more. You have a sense of actually climbing and how far I can stretch my arm to get to the next ledge to to get there is actually how far your arm can stretch. The way it works now with the climb is you look with your head to where you want your arm to go. And then you press one of the controller triggers uh, based on what, you know, the right controller controls your right hand and or excuse me, the right trigger controls your right hand. The left trigger controls your left hand. So that just kind of closes your hand onto the ledge that you're looking at. So you look at the ledge, your sort of disembodied ghost hand goes to it. And then you pull the trigger to grasp on and it works fine, but it is nowhere near as exhilarating as actually reaching your arm out and closing your hand around something and feeling that, which is what these controllers allow for now. So that was a bit of a bummer to play, but I'm hoping that they, you know, update the game when the Oculus uh, controllers are out or that it also supports Vive and you can play it with the controllers on Vive.
1: I mean, I guess it's good to have options, right? Yeah. Is that the positive way to look at this? Like, uh, you don't need to do it if you don't want to, and maybe people will try it and love it but uh, why limit yourself to a a peripheral experience that might put people off from playing and buying your game? Yeah,
0: I I guess, but it is, uh, I mean, it's an extraordinary experience. I also feel like the games that allowed you to see your, your body, even in in first person view, uh, were more effective. Like there's a lot of games like the climb where you sort of have the disembodied hands, but, E Valkyrie for example, the newest version of E Valkyrie, you know, you look down in your your spaceship cockpit and you see a body sitting there and you see the hands on the controls. And even cooler with the new version of E Valkyrie, when you move your torso because they've added, you know, depth sensing with the Oculus Rift, when you move your torso, you move your head around, it sort of reacts with your body the way your body should. So if you're looking down and you sort of shift your weight forward, your virtual body shifts its weight forward and it, it really goes a long way in making you feel like you're there. And I think more games where, when I look down like the climb, for example, I think would be better if when I looked down, I saw my feet dangling off the cliff, right? Because I know that I'm dangling off the cliff and it is, you know, it gives me that sense of height and, and, and craziness of being, you know, that high up and just grasping onto the side of a mountain. But when I look down in that game, I look through myself and I just kind of see the ground. And I think it breaks the
1: immersion, like yeah. really put you there. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine this stuff paired with not to deviate from video games, but uh, you showed it to me yesterday. And uh, I think so it's on Mashable or whatever. But this tech out from Stanford or whoever's doing it where it's real time face capturing over like live YouTube video. And it's basically yeah. nothing is real anymore, I think, was your tagline. Yeah. Um. I mean that technology where they're like real time inputting you what you're doing and then how you see that and then in a VR headset. I mean, dude, I we're, don't know. are just just—I I, swear—I'm not high right now, but I just feel like all <laughs> of this stuff. I don't know what else to say, but like, this is going to be crazy,
0: dude. Like, this is going to be crazy. We're at the very beginning of all this stuff. It, it, the the right now, you know, like something like the climb where they're giving you an experience that other human beings have or like uh the ubisoft game the eagle's flight where you're there's a lot of games about flying which it, it feels awesome it's amazing but we're going to start giving ourselves experiences that aren't analogous to something that someone can experience right there we're going to start.
1: that's what vi was it vive did so well last year at e3 in that uh behind closed doors demo where it was like this is a real world this is a real object this is so cool isn't it that was Oculus, this is a real yeah. world was that was that oculus yeah. with the yeah yeah with the, it was their controllers right that, or they were that's showing incredible. those controllers and they were like this is a real world here's a coffee cup haha ha, you're an ant yeah. <laughs> and you're just like oh no <laughs> dude
0: there was another thing that i saw that's not a game yet this was ccp was showing um you know they're showing they're the guys that did e valkyrie and gunjack which are both instantly fun and i think are going to be huge hits in vr they instant anybody that's that is even remotely uh skeptical about vr Sit down with Eve Valkyrie and in two minutes, you'll understand. I, I don't think there's anybody that could play Eve Valkyrie and go, oh, oh, okay. I get why this is completely different than looking at it on a screen. That was
1: a moment for me in DevKit 2, two or three years ago at E3. It was like, oh, I'm buying one of these. And then... I was like, I haven't seen anything else to make. Then they released the price, and I was like, I'll wait for Jeff to buy it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they were showing a third thing at the CCP behind closed doors thing that I got to go to, and they say it's not a game yet, but it's sort of their experimental arm has been working on this for a long time. They actually started working on it with the Kinect as this sort of full-body input thing. And uh, when the Vive got announced and they you know, were saying – you know, room scale VR, they decided to take all the research they'd done on this connect experience and bring it into a VR space. They're, they're calling it project arena right now. And it's various different kinds of things, but dude, it's awesome. And it needs to be a game. I, I, as soon as I was done with it, I was like, you guys have to release this. It's, and they're like, well, we don't have any plans to do right now. I was like, no, 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 seriously. You have to, it is the dream of, what i wanted when i first saw tron when i was you know six years old or whatever so okay so let me just backtrack a little bit so you (laughs) you have the two vive controllers in your hands one for each hand right and they're mapped so you enter this vr world and it looks a lot very tron-esque you know you have an avatar uh you've got this you're in first person mode You uh, see the sort of uh, neon, very techie, like inside of a computer environment. And you've got this table in front of you and a sphere that's hovering there. And uh, somebody else on the other side of the room, one of the developers put on another Vive and held those controllers. And he appeared in that world with me. So there's two of us. And he kind of looked like Iron Man, like he had this cool like robot face in the virtual world. And he's like, "Okay, knuckle up. So we both put our hands in the sphere, which like inst- it creates like uh, our agreement that we're about to combat each other in virtual space. It's BattleBots, right? Like- <laughs> yeah. So you like, get ready. So you put your hand in the sphere and then it teleports me into the virtual arena, which happens to be sitting on that table that's in front of you. So if he goes in there first, I see him tiny in the virtual environment and I can look at him. And as he moves around, he moves around tiny in front of me in the box that's sitting on the table in front of me. And if I'm inside there, I look up and I see giant him looking down at me, watching me, you know, in the big version of the world, looking at the little version of the world. It's a trip, dude, but it's a- awesome. Okay. So once both people have teleported,
1: now in- I'm high now.
0: <laughs> super high. Yeah. I guess this is the, the theme of this episode is uh, trippy. Um, so once you both go down into the sort of the virtual space, you're on either ends of this wall and you've got these like super high tech looking, like something out of mass effect gauntlets on your arm. And there's different modes that you can switch into. One of them forms this sort of energy shield on your arm, which is very much like something you would see in, in mass effect or halo, where it looks like, you know, the, um, the, uh, what's the fucking thing in, in halo called, uh, the, um, energy spear thing. Anyway, sword. Yeah. The energy sword. Right. But it's a shield. So it looks, you know, it's, it's translucent, but it's yellow and glowing and energized. And then you push a button and this ball of energy forms in your hand and you can throw that ball of energy at your opponent and they block it with their shield and reflect it back at you. And so you can and, and each of you can do that. So two of those energy balls can be going at once and you're blocking with your shield and your shield is getting like damaged in real time and energy is flying off of it and you're like casting your hand forward and you can create different uh you know trajectories with the energy ball and you're in this sort of negative space of gravity where stuff is bending around you. It is the tron disc battle that we all wanted when we were kids at least i did
1: how are you how are you moving around the space apologies if you
0: you you can physically move you're standing and you can physically walk around you can duck and avoid uh you know avoid the the discs because it knows where your body is based on where your hands are and you're you know you're reflecting it back with your with your shield you're throwing the disc you're mixing that up dude so much fun and i know people are going to be listening to this going well but you know it's all this physical movement it's craziness no you're just doing it you're just doing the thing that you always dreamed of like being inside tron having a disc battle it's awesome
1: i look forward to playing this game sincerely but also i want to see like the whatever they would be called, like life hack videos. Remember the power pad, like track and field where you went over to your friend's house and then your older brother, the older brother came out and like just dominated you because he got on his hands and knees and was just like, (laughs) (laughs) like, so like this, it's like finding out how to game the, like you see esports of this and you're not actually ducking. It's just like dipping your hands and it's like, oh, you know, Nuku does the hand dip and. Raka's not able to reply it's too fast of emotion like uh that stuff is exciting to me
0: <laughs> I do think there will be really fun esports that are physical and and it will truly be physical esports where you will have one guy sitting in a room somewhere and another guy sitting in a completely different room and they will be having a physical sports contest with each other <laughs> I think that will be really cool
1: Yeah, because you'll get to see the people doing the thing and then, like, the... I mean, what was that Hugh Jackman movie that wasn't great, but it was, like, BattleBots or whatever?
0: Yeah, Um, Robot Jocks or something, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, you're you're getting that world, and I think in a cool way, and especially if... Now, I mean, we're really geeking out, but especially if you're watching it in VR, which does create that weird sports arena where, like, Mark Zuckerberg could walk through or whatever whatever that picture was uh, from a couple of weeks ago. But, like, you could get these really cool... Uh, Pokemon tournament battles, right? Where you have real people doing it as the athletes like doing it. And I'm not saying esports isn't athletic and the dexterity required, but a more traditional, relatable experience for my mom or dad to watch too when you see someone sweating and, you know, jumping and jiving around. And then also these fantastical creatures fighting each other that is something far more, I think, cool to watch than ufc which is already pretty awesome to watch like in the octagon you have a dragon versus uh
0: master chief like that's exciting yeah it's nerdy but it's exciting i dude and it's happening It, it it's truly fun and i think that is the thing that i'm trying to convey most is it's it's instantly fun and it doesn't feel like it feels like you're inside the game and and i think that to me is the fundamental difference between vr and it's the dream I had since I was a little kid. Like you watch a you you know you watch a game on a screen and you go, God, wouldn't it be cool to be inside that? Tron was the movie equivalent of that wish fulfillment, and now we're like there in in making that feel like a, something that's happening. It's it's so cool.
1: EA Sports, it's that in the game. game. And if you play in VR, then you're in the game. EA Sports VR, you know what we're saying?
0: By the game. <laughs> The last thing I want to talk about is just because I think most people are very curious about it. I'm sure you are too. Is I got to do that Star Wars uh, Trials of Tatooine experience.
1: Which one is that is the Oculus? Cuz no, there's the
0: v- It was for Vive. Uh, it's room scale and it is What's the PlayStation one? PlayStation is going to be an exclusive uh Battlefield, a Star Wars Battlefield. A Battlefront. Battlefront. Okay, so this is, is not that. This is for the Vive. This is a thing that probably okay. is never going to be released to the public it's it's more it was an ilm experiment uh from their like ilm labs where they literally forced the only people that could show it were people that had like dual titan x's in their machine and the original version of it had like 8k textures it was like 450 gigabytes of textures for this like small scene it was very experimental like they wanted to see if they could get true um photo realistic star wars experience in virtual reality which is pretty close to what they got dude it's it's amazing so you start you're on tatooine you're standing there on tatooine looks like tatooine you look up got the you know the two suns it's tatooine and you hear uh a spaceship that sounds like the millennium falcon coming and the millennium falcon comes over your head and lands right next to you and it's an extraordinary feeling as the sound is all just exactly how you would want it to be and it crests the the horizon and it comes at you and it gets closer and closer and closer and closer and then it lands like on you and the you know the jets are everywhere and and you hear han's voice like hey kid i'm glad you're here but it sounds like there's some trouble you know that kind of thing and he's like oh i think there's a tie fighters coming in and TIE fighters come over the you know over the horizon line. He shoots them out of the sky and he's like, well, there's more where that came from, kid. You got to help us out. And like the landing gear is stuck and you have to reach up with your hands and help bring the landing gear down. Then R2 comes down out of the ship and is hanging out with you. And he's like, okay, kid, uh, R2 is going to show you, you know, the right things to push and the right buttons to help us out. Chewie, of course, is like arguing with Han the whole time. And you physically, you know, reach out and touch the buttons, and it all looks like it looks like you're standing in front of the bottom of the Millennium Falcon. Incredible. Looks like R2 is right there. And then of course, you know, things escalate. And he's like, oh, they're coming. He's like, oh, the stormtroopers on the, you know, coming out of the whatever. He's like, uh, R2 is gonna help you out. He's gonna give you something you can use. And out of the top of R2, a lightsaber. You grab you pick up the lightsaber from R2, you extend the lightsaber, and you have a perfect one-to-one lightsaber motion and the stormtrooper starts shooting at you with their blasters and you're reflecting laser beams back at them to, to kill them. They never get close enough for you to actually attack them with the lightsaber. It's all just sort of reflecting blaster beams back. But I was giggling like a 10 year old. I was, I mean, inside star Wars, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it's very much just a proof of concept you do that for a while, and uh, you know Han leaves and says, "Thanks, kid." Uh, but it's it's amazing to feel like you're inside Star Wars. It, I can't. The thing that's so amazing to me is that we live in these times where the dreams that I had as a kid are coming true. I'm inside a video game.
1: Well, I think that's why it's hard, and some people roll their eyes at hearing about it. I, I really do. I mean being fortunate enough to be someone who's experienced it even from dev kit one to dev kit two and whatever last year's was like not quite a little better than dev kit two but not uh you know consumer release is i'm i understand it it really is it's hard to keep hearing over and over again like no dude it's different than sitting two feet away from an 80 inch screen right like it's and i, I know You know, we talked yesterday about like how the theater mode in these things work. And you're like, it's cool. But I mean, that's not, that's not the point of it. Like, yes, as a little kid, we all wanted to play, at least I'm assuming I'm projecting my thoughts. (laughs) We all wanted to play video games on a movie theater screen because you're like, this is it. Mario's as big as I am. Holy crap. This is incredible. But that isn't what we wanted to do. Like that's dope. in our huge TVs that we have for really hardly any money when you think about it like that's awesome but what we thought what we wanted to do when we were playing mario on a movie theater screen in our heads when we were eight is we we wanted to be in the game we just didn't comprehend that vr fidelity i can't talk fidelity would be at a place to put us there and so i i've given you a hard time about vr before because i still don't think like the star wars experience you described sounds amazing but it I want to go further. So it's almost out of impatience on my part. I'm the kid that's complaining while I'm in Joshua tree that I can't stream music from a satellite down to my phone, right. down, you know, whatever. It's like, I realize this is cool and amazing, but like, Ooh, we're so close to like really amazing. <laughs> so I, I need to step back and be like, this is incredible. Holy crap. I'm playing Mario on a movie theater
0: screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let me, let me switch to a, a, an email that we got. Um, I I think this is an interesting issue. Uh, Matt Chula sent us an email, the dlcfeedback at gmail.com. He said, uh, guys, I expect lots of VR talk after last week's GDC. However, I don't hear anyone talking much about any potential long-term health risks from VR. And I've been curious since I'm thinking about getting a headset myself is having a screen that close to your eyes, potentially damaging. Is there a reason we shouldn't be tricking our brains into thinking we're someplace we're not? I've heard interviews talking about playtesters who spent 12 plus hours in games like EVE Valkyrie without any issue. So I'm inclined to think everything is just fine. But would we even know otherwise? The PR people certainly aren't going to tell us. I guess at the very least, Jeff will be a guinea pig for all of us. <laughs> yeah, because it's true. Uh, VR is so new that people probably have no idea, which is kind of scary to me. What do you think about this, Christian?
1: I think it's a smart concern to have the tech guy in me is like, we're fine. Everything's fine. When I was little, it was like, don't sit too close to the TV. You're going to, you know, Go blind. ruin your eyesight right. or, and maybe we are, but like, don't carry your cell phone in your pocket because you won't be able to have kids. Right. You know, I've had, I've had two, uh, now I'm carrying that phone really close to my, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it is, it's hard to know because, you know, are our cell phones giving us brain cancer? The data is so small in the life. Span in which we've been having these things next to our heads. We don't know. So I think even if VR is bad for us, it won't be bad for us. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know if we know. And I don't know how you do that research, because how do you find the person to spend too much time in it without it letting it happen naturally of, oh, man. I know what is the, the recommended age is like 12. Yeah. Something I think that?
0: That's the real scary thing for me is, is, is young kids because that was one thing I was definitely thinking when I was inside that star Wars thing is like every six year old kid will want to do this. And how do you tell them? No, you know, it's, it is, especially a lot of these experiences will be built for kid kind of experiences. You know, every kid wants to be inside star Wars that to me is the scary part is like developing eyes. We know that these things aren't built for developing eyes. Um, but do we but isn't that
1: aren't aren't we always changing? I mean, we're never a static.
0: Yeah. Well, they say it can thing. it can mess up uh, you know, kids whose eyesight's are developing because of the the 3D, the way the 3D effect works. Um
1: So does that concern you that it's also messing you up? We just don't know yet. Maybe. I mean, I mean, are you... I'm so a- you answered this question. Are you concerned? Personally, you're buying these things. Are you Are you going to limit yourself? Are you going to take a break when Nintendo tells you to?
0: You know, or whatever the game's like, go outside. I think it's going to be interesting. I'm definitely going to report back on the show about, you know... I think, especially in the first few weeks of having it, I'm probably going to spend a lot of time in, in, in the metaverse. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if it feels weird coming out or coming in or if I feel fatigued or if, you know what that experience is like. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more data when a lot more of these headsets are on the streets,
1: you know, episode 120 is just going to be uh red rum, red, red rum. No, no, Jeff, we're talking about this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be like, I'm, I'm attacking you with my beams. Um, all work in no VR. Make Jeff go something, something.
0: <laughs> I will certainly be everybody's guinea pig. Um, as long as you guys don't mind me talking about all this stuff on the show, I will do it. Um, I haven't, there's another email that I wanted to get to. It's not a uh, VR topic, but it is a topic we've talked about a few times. And I think this email kind of sums up my position better than I ever did. Uh, You know, we talked a lot about No Man's Sky and the concern of, uh, you know, the sort of design aesthetic of No Man's Sky. And I said, I don't think that their primary goal is fun which I think a lot of people misinterpreted as me saying the game is going to be bad, which is not at all what I was saying. I was trying to say that that might be really interesting, but I think it doesn't seem like what they're trying to do is create fun. They're trying to create something else, which may be a good thing. But here's uh, Jose Chavez wrote this email, and I think he sums it up even better. He says, hi, Jeff and Christian. Love the show. I've been listening to it for a while now. When you guys begin to talk about No Man's Sky and the concern that there's nothing to do and questioning where the fun is in the game, it struck a chord with me because... It is a conversation I've had before with my friends regarding other games of the table variety. I've become a huge fan of modern board game. One of my recent favorite games is a Euro style game called Neanderthal by Phil Eklund. The elevator pitch is you control the psychological evolution of a human species and you use worker placement mechanics to get goods, learn things, and hopefully be able to open up new parts of your brain. The game's brutal. Threats are everywhere. Most of the things you hunt can kill off your people. And then the environment is also trying to kill you. The game isn't fun since the focus is on simulating the harsh environment. Sometimes I love that. I love the challenge of being able to explore and survive by choosing what to hunt, who to add to my tribe, and when to play it safe. There are also funny stories that came out of the game when we compared... Tribes between friends. My tribe was full of people who were swearing and drawing cave paintings, but my friend had a tribe who had names, were generous, and knew how to tell stories. Obviously, his tribe was much smarter than mine. Small side note Phil Eklund was a rocket scientist before designing games, and it shows when you read his rule books. He has stated that he wants to design games that will teach you something through the mechanics. He isn't concerned with fun, he wants to give you a particular experience. No Man's Sky seems like the most hyped simulation game that I have run into. I look at it like the people who play MMOs and the focus on crafting things and sort of role-playing NPCs. Although there aren't any pre-programmed things to make things interesting, I hope that the equation will allow for things to just be interesting enough to really bring out some emergent narrative where you trade stories with buddies about the weird stuff you found. These kinds of games are not for everyone, but if they're done well, then they will leave those who like them to explore with a funny story or two. Thanks again for the great show and a huge thank you for pointing out all the board game love. Uh, I think that kind of sums up exactly what I feel like the game is striving for. What do you think?
1: Uh, Yes, I think that's a great email and it's, it's a very succinct way of explaining a larger problem with defining fun and, and it's not semantics per se, but I think to say that um, uh, Euclid Phil wasn't trying to make his game fun by making it a game and not a lecture, right? I don't know. I don't want to dive into the semantics of what is fun and what is fun supposed to be. You know, a lot of people don't find the Souls games fun. Right. They are brutally hard for other people. That is the fun is what when you when you solve this thing. I don't find a Rubik's Cube to be fun, but to say that it wasn't, designed to be fun i think is a disservice to the you know the toy and the millions or billions of people that have found enjoyment in it so I, it's hard to define emotions right and feelings where it's like oh you like spider-man well i think he's dumb it doesn't mean spider-man wasn't designed to, to be cool it just means that it doesn't resonate for you in that way right so i think it's hard to to nail down something as fun or not fun when we are all unique dumb animals. <laughs>
0: right. No, I think <laughs> you're right. I, I
1: process life. I
0: think maybe m- more to my maybe a better word than fun is entertainment, right? I think there are certain games, you know, like Halo or or uh, Uncharted is attempting to entertain you. It's it's bringing you on a ride that will entertain you from start to finish. I don't think that No Man's Sky's primary goal is to entertain you. I think it it's trying to do something different than that. And I don't know how Is that
1: tentpole versus carol you know is that mad max versus carol or mad max versus room i, right. I, I think it's a disservice to that art to say it's not to entertain you
0: perhaps I, I just think those those maybe maybe it is a semantic argument but i i just think people should go in with eyes wide open for no man's sky that it it's asking something different of the player and i know so many people compare it to minecraft i don't think that's an apt comparison but maybe it will be uh and it's, certainly there will be fun to have in the game I i don't doubt that i just don't think that the game's primary goal is to provide you with things. It's to sort of have a different kind of conversation with the player, at least from my short play time. That's what it seemed to me. And I, I may be wrong, but it just seems like it may disappoint some people and it may thrill others because of the kinds of freedoms and the vast tapestry that it's allowing for that sort of unprecedented level of exploration. I think that's a pretty cool, exciting proposition, but it also is very different from what most video games are trying to achieve. Sure. So that's all I'm saying. Um, Man, I, I, I've been looking forward to this episode all week, and uh, I had there's so many more things. I had this great meeting with NVIDIA, uh, talking about sort of the technical aspects of doing VR that I found so fascinating. I don't even know if it's worth going into, but it's so... I will say this, if if you are thinking of investing in a, in a PC to, uh, do VR, it really is worth it to maybe not get the biggest video card, but instead get two other video cards, like, you know, step down a video card, but get two of them because SLI really does help, uh, for, for VR. They, NVIDIA is doing a lot of work in allowing, uh, SLI VR to, to uh render one eye because you know with vr you have to render the scene twice one for each eye and it will dedicate one of the video cards in sli to each of those eyes so um i don't know i thought that was pretty interesting and they're doing all kinds of other cool stuff like um blurring the edges of things so that it can render things lower uh, lower resolution at the edges because that is being warped by the the lenses in the headsets anyway. So all these fun cheats that the that Nvidia is doing on the back end that are allowing developers to squeeze more stuff out of the main parts of the scene um and and the they say you can save 30% efficiency on the edges and the human eye cannot discern a difference. Uh pretty wild stuff. Pretty pretty cool. Um and and I think you know GDC overall is my favorite conference because you get that technical aspect and you get developers talking to each other and really trying to hash out where games are going. It's such a fun conference. And uh, you know, I could probably talk for two more hours about all the cool stuff I saw and lectures that I heard, but um, you know, we're running long and I know that everybody who isn't interested in VR will has already turned off this episode so
1: <laughs> well i think this the great thing about gdc is that a lot of these conversations can carry forward whereas e3 sometimes it's like this is our e3 blowout we gotta go here we go i mean one of my favorite game demo talks from gdc maybe three years ago was about progression through a game and how you go into the game world from start to finish and i think it was part of insomniac uh, had some people there too for how they talked about um, enemy encounters and how you know you're in a game world so how do they bring you into the world that both feels real but is fun and that i can continue to go back to and talk about as i play new games because it's knowledge it's not here's the trailer for splashy splash the game right
0: yeah and it's an exciting time uh, i hope that the people listening are excited i certainly welcome your feedback feedback at gmail.com to continue this conversation i just thought this would be a fun episode to sort of deep dive into the stuff just you and me Christian. And, um, we'll be back with, with cool guests next week, but I appreciate everybody indulging me and us, uh, on this episode. I think it's a, I think it was worthwhile.
1: We're in the future, baby.
0: you are in the future. Bring it on. I love it. Uh, an exciting time. If you know, politics doesn't bring on the apocalypse, then I'll be happy. Um, Christian, we're gonna, we're gonna not do tabletop time this week. Um, uh, although, you know, Jose gave us a cool recommendation for, uh, Phil Eklund's game. I've heard really good things about it. I've never played it before. I've heard the rule book is very daunting on Neanderthal, but still a uh, very cool recommendation. Um, we will jump uh, right to the parting gift. Uh, but first Christian, tell people, you know, where they can keep up with you this week.
1: If you're in L.A., I'm putting up a new show at the Hollywood Improv on Thursday, the 31st, and it's a stand-up show with some great stand-ups. Dan St. Germain, uh, Dean Del Rey, Brian Redman. Um, It's going to be awesome, but then also it descends into a party in madness, and rock band will be set up. There will be rock band karaoke, which is the safest karaoke because those vocal tracks make you sound good and uh, open mic and whatever it's going to be. It's going to be a party. It's late night, the 31st here in Los Angeles. If you were around, come to that. If you're in San Diego, I will be in your city a couple of times in April. Twitter's the best way, at Spicer. And as previously mentioned, I have a new parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. It comes out Tuesdays and Thursdays. They are short, clean episodes, taking a lighthearted approach look
0: at parenting, and uh, hopefully you dig it. Awesome. Um, you can always follow me at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have other shows for you to enjoy. I have a, a movie review show called The Slash Filmcast. That's at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, also, this week, I'll be putting out my Batman versus Superman review on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Cannata Jeff. Definitely want to check that out. Uh, and I have a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. Really fun show. I urge you to check those out. And Tomorrow Daily is happening on CNET. You can find that at tomorrowdaily.com. All right, Christian, let's uh, let's hit up a parting gift show. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. You got a uh, recommendation to get people through their week?
1: So there's a little show, it's on Netflix, Um, it's called Daredevil.
0: I'm not familiar.
1: And uh, there's a moment in episode three that I don't care if anything else happens the rest of the show, it's worth it. Uh, (laughs) Daredevil season two delivers on the promise of the premise and the first episode, and I think it's a very success, I haven't finished it, but a very successful second season to one of my favorite characters. So you're already watching it, but uh, if you're not, it's good.
0: (laughs) Hey, I have a comic book recommendation that you might not be aware of. If you're not reading it, it, it's one of the coolest, most interesting, bizarre, but daring, brilliant comics that I've read ever. Uh, It's called the vision. You probably know the character of the vision, especially if you're a Marvel comics fan or have seen any of the most recent Marvel movies. We know who the vision is, Marvel decided to blow out what we thought of the vision and do this book. That is crazy. Basically the idea is the vision uh, moved to the suburbs uh, and decided to have a family and created synthetic humans for a wife and two kids. And this book is surreal and awesome. He's, he's still a superhero, but he has to deal with, you know, his kids going to school. Uh, It's, it almost feels like, um, um American, what is that movie with Kevin Spacey? Uh, American.
1: American I can think of The Alien Nation was that show.
0: No, you know, what's you the you won an Academy Award for it? Oh, American uh, Beauty. American Beauty. Almost feels like that, that tone. Uh it is disturbing. It is bizarre. It does things a comic book I don't think it ever has done. It 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 analyzes the feelings of not belonging and feeling like a uh outsider in in ways that are subtle and interesting and fascinating and disturbing wow really great I think there's like six or seven issues out right now it's called Vision definitely check it out you'll, you'll thank me I think very interesting stuff alright that's going to do it for this episode of DLC uh, really thanks to Christian uh, for indulging me this episode and uh, thank you to all of you that stuck around this long and listened to me wistfully pine for VR it's coming We're almost there. I'm so excited. Uh, We're going to be back next week with a regular episode. I'm excited for that as well. Thank you for listening. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.